All right, Tobias Whalen, thank you for joining us. Um, so, can you walk us through the circumstances that led to you writing this book, uh, The Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangeness in the Midwest? Uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. So, in 2016, my uh, wife Emily and I uh, founded the Singular Fortean Society, and what that has kind of evolved into has uh, been a, uh, a news outlet and uh, investigative organization for uh, the paranormal, for, for anomalies, weird uh, uh, news and, and, and things like that. And so in 2017, this would have been uh, April. So the, the spring of, of 2017, I saw a trio of weird winged humanoid sightings that came through the mutual UFO network case management system. And uh, I mean, they were unusual to say the least. I mean, because what, what, what the witnesses described, at least in these reports were uh, either a large uh, uh, bat like, or bat like creature or, or something very bird like and, and humanoid. And, uh, and, and so I saw those come through and I thought, well, you know, I, I need to cover this for our uh, website. And so I, I wrote up our, our article on it and there wasn't a lot of information, frankly. Um, you know, I've, I've come to know the, the state director for MUFON in, in Illinois uh, relatively well since then. Uh, but, you know, traditionally MUFON is relatively tight-lipped about the results of their investigations. And so at that time, there really wasn't uh, a, a lot for me to um, dig into. And so I, I got that article written up and I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere. I just thought it was an, an, an interesting, you know, little uh, uh, tidbit of, of high strangeness. And, um, you know, if, if that had been it, I, I don't think anybody would even remember at, at this point, frankly, but uh, it wasn't, you know, that, that article got published. And um, after that, I, I started seeing these reports come in. It was just one after another, and they were coming into uh, mostly uh, Lon Strickler over at Phantoms and Monsters and Manuel Navarrete at uh, UFO Clearinghouse. And so I, I reached out to both of those guys. Um, you know, I, I had no idea who they uh, were, frankly, at, at that time. I, I had never met them, and I, I wasn't super familiar with sort of the uh, paranormal field as it existed on the internet. And so, um, you know, when I, I reached out to him, I, I really didn't know what to expect. But uh, I interviewed Manuel first, and that was in June of 2017. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was very nice, very uh, professional, very forthcoming. Uh, you know, we, we, we mostly chatted about what he was doing because he actually lives in Chicago. And so we chatted about uh, his... Um, experience uh in you know investigating these things directly on on site as it were and so oh go ahead oh so you're you're citing um a lot of the reports that were made to these different like um paranormal websites mm -hmm. but as, as someone that lived like i am obviously i live in chicago and i knew about the mothman way before this stuff started happening so as soon as it started happening in chicago it was definitely on my radar i feel like there was a lot of stuff um 
in the local press about this too. Like this wasn't something that was just being covered on these paranormal websites. Like people that were in Chicago, it was on ABC seven. It was on WGN. Um, cause there, there was several sightings. It was, it was like a, a widespread flap, um, of the stuff that was happening kind of downtown and in the city proper in your book, you get into a lot of stuff over the years that kind of happened in the outlying suburbs as well. Right. But, um, I mean, were, was there a, a decent amount of stuff that was in, um, I guess like the major news networks or the local press at least too? You know, we, we got there eventually. Like I was, I was sort of leading up to that. Cause I, I honestly, as of the summer of 2017, you know, I was still covering this journalistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I interviewed Lon in, in July and he was very similar to, to Manuel as far as being extremely forthcoming um, and, uh, and, and uh, polite and, and, and professional. And, uh, you know, I, I got to know those guys pretty well. And uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm actively investigating this too. And I just live up in Madison. So I was able to, to, to go down and actually investigate things on site as well. As far as... Um, the actual mainstream press coverage. I mean, there, there certainly was some now a lot of that would have been sort of later on in, in 2017. So I, I think by the end of that summer is when the sightings had become popular enough where you were starting mm-hmm. to, to see some mainstream press coverage. Now at that time, the uh, uh, sort of ostensible uh, leader or, or, or face really of this investigation would have been Lon. And so, um, most of the, the mainstream press coverage that there was to be had was, was going to center on him. And, and that was something interesting that, that you saw throughout this, uh, you know, whether it's me or, or Lon, um, everybody wants one person to just be the guy, you know, to just be the, the, the one guy, who is in charge of this and 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 that's the one guy you can go to and um you know it it, it just didn't really go down like that i mean this was a, a a a team effort and the idea that there's one of us who is just you know more of an expert or whatever than than anybody else was was always pretty ridiculous to me but um yeah sorry i'm, I'm digressing a little bit <laughs> uh yeah i mean there 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 definitely was I, I i remember specifically um boy there was an article lon did an interview i can't remember the name of this comedian but it was for playboy of 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 all publications uh i uh, yeah i mean hand to god and uh <laughs> you know it wasn't it wasn't great. It, um, it was, it was pretty mocking, I thought. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's about what you would expect. Yeah. But if you get the call to, to talk to Playboy, I mean, right. I, I'll, I'll let you make me look like an idiot. What I guess. You do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to sure. take it. You got to um, take it. And then, you know, actually, uh, Vice picked it up and, uh, and, and they did yeah. a much better job, uh, as, as far as covering it at, at that time, uh, you know, so, obviously you know, but it I, has happened since then. I can comment on what a double-edged sword that is because no offense to you and your book, but before I was able to get you as a guest, I had been trying to, um, I had been trying to get somebody in. There is somebody in the Chicagoland area that has been circulating these flyers in the loop and in the surrounding neighborhoods, um, asking for information about a Lake Michigan, mon- uh, Lake a Lake Michigan like water monster, right? Mm-hmm. And um, 
I, I someone brought this to my attention because they know I do the podcast and they know that I have a soft spot for this stuff. And I was like, you know, I got to track this person down. I got to talk to him. And I emailed them. They were they gave a phone number. I, I called them, texted them, and stuff. And finally, I was able to get them on the phone. And I could tell they were very, very reluctant to. They wanted information from me, but as far as giving me information or wanting to talk, you know, or do an interview, they were very, very reluctant. And I kind of was put off by that. I was like, well, what the hell? Like, why? Like, I present myself fairly reasonably. Like, I don't seem like I'm not trying to make anyone look bad or like be a dick or anything like, sure. you know, and I found out it was because Barstool Sports had gotten to them about two months before me. Are you familiar with them at all? uh they're like really no so it's like it's i don't know it's a um they do like little stories and they're 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 based out of a couple different cities Hmm. and there's there's a twitter feed barstool sports chicago and it's basically just like a website and they they run just like humorous stories that you read on the toilet or at work or whatever Hmm. and they had gotten a, a hold of this person and done a very mocking like you know uh peace with them and that was kind of what turned the person off uh about talking to us whereas if i had gotten to them i would have given them complete and total respect and like hey say what you want to say right. and yeah it, it's kind of it's hard because you want to talk to people but at the same time there's a lot of people out there that are just gonna you know like oh yeah they want to do a story about it and then they're going to cue the x-files music and make a joke out of it and and, and do this whole thing huh. um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I as an investigator, um, and I guess, you know, uh, uh, somewhat um, recognized person in, in the industry at this point, I, you know, I haven't encountered any of that personally. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly nobody has invited me for an, an interview and then, you know, uh, ended up mocking me or, or, or anything like that. Um, I would imagine. Well, just stay that, away from Playboy then. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, so stay away from Playboy. Yeah, right. Um, it's, <laughs> it's probably more, I would assume it's more of an issue um, for, uh, you know, witnesses. I mean, there, I I don't know what there would even be to make fun of me for um, as far as that goes. Like, uh, I mean, you could make fun of me for taking witnesses seriously, I guess. Right. And that just makes them look like a jerk. So, right. Um, but yeah, that's it's, it's unfortunate, you know, and, and, and you do see that a lot. And, and I see it a lot in the uh, witnesses, frankly, you know, and, and, and that's somewhat across the board, really, uh, you know, um, could be a, a Mothman witness, could be Bigfoot, could be a UFO haunting, whatever. Um, people are very reluctant to talk about this stuff just in, in general. And even when they find somebody like me, or, or you or, or, you know, whoever, who will actually take them seriously. Uh, it can be tough, you know, it's, it's tough for people to sort of break through. I think the, um, fear they have of, of being mocked. I mean, you know, shame is a very powerful motivator and when oh, yeah. make fun of you and shame you for this experience. I mean, it makes you not ever want to talk about it again. You know, even when people will talk to me, um, well, and, and, you know, you, you see this in, in the uh, book, um, they still want to be anonymous, you know, like I'll know who they are. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. tell anybody, you know, I, I could maybe tell Lon or, or, or Manuel or, 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 you know, some other colleague or something, but I, you know, I can't, I can't tell anybody else. So, 
Um, well, yeah, going going back to the book, I mean, you have interviews with Chicago police officers um, that were that had Mothman sightings. I mean, or, or or at least accounts from them are represented in your book. I don't know if you personally talked to them firsthand or I think if you what were you're referencing is uh, there was something in the the Auburn Gresham neighborhood, and you know that yes. fairly contested sighting report. That was one Manuel took. I actually. Um, it's it didn't make it into the book because it's too recent. But I I have spoken with a, 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 a retired Chicago police officer who had a sighting back in 1971. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean it's it's impressive, and he was actually willing to go on the uh, record about it. You know, so I was able to publish his name and everything. That was that was that was great. Um, but that Auburn Gresham sighting uh, that was one where the a uh, purported police officer had said that he had filed this report, you know, regarding this, this incident of this tall uh, sort of emaciated winged creature that he had seen uh, with his partner, I guess, uh, on, on top of a, a building in that neighborhood. And, um, you know, I, I tried to track that police report down. I, I couldn't get it. Um, I don't know. And I know other people tried; they couldn't get it. Um, I, I I don't know if that was uh, the Chicago PD just sort of being obstinate, or if it's because it doesn't exist. But um, it didn't fill me with a ton of confidence uh, just regarding that that particular report, which is why I always make sure to to mention stuff like that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Sort of the the impetus behind the book was I hated the idea uh, that in the the internet age people read unverified reports online and just accept them as truth. When I think people deserve to know what went into the investigation and and, and right. what we know and and frankly what we don't know and what we couldn't verify.
So you bring the you bring up the Auburn Gresham area just to give the audience some kind of background. Um, these sightings took place all over the Chicagoland area, and with, with the outlying suburbs, you get a, you get into Rockford's Woodstock, Cicero, um, Alsip, which is funny because that's that sighting was right down the block from where my mom lives. Um, the one that was over by the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola bottling plant. So I know that area very well. And it was, it was interesting to see that, uh, he had popped up over there, but, uh, in the city of Chicago proper, we have Pilsen, the North side. Um, I remember some sightings in river North. So once again, just trying to give our audience some background, like this was started in 2017, but in the course of the book, you kind of go backwards and, you know, you just brought up a, a sighting as far back as 1971. So definitely the first Mothman sightings in the Chicagoland area were not uh, 2017, but that was your entry point into the investigation. Right. And uh, we're talking about uh, an area that encompasses the whole entire city of Chicago proper, as well as the outlying suburbs. And, um, just kind of walk the audience through like what I know every, every sighting's different. And I, I want to kind of get into some of the more specific cases later, but like what, what's basically, if someone has a Mothman sighting, what's, what are they seeing or, or how is this, you know, cause you brought up MUFON kind of in the intro mm. and it, you know, this isn't necessarily a UFO sighting, right? This mm. is, it's not a craft. I mean, it, it's, it's, it seems to be a sentient creature or something. Um, I'll let you do the explanation, but how, how would you, if someone's listening to this podcast and it doesn't know anything about any of this stuff and maybe <laughs> is vaguely familiar with the Richard Gere movie, which we're going to get into next, um, how, what's the deal? Sure. So, I mean, you know, honestly, um, as far as the sightings being reported to, to MUFON, um, you know, frankly, there is a real... Uh, dearth of places people can go with stuff like this, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's not unusual for, for MUFON to get the occasional sighting that people just can't seem to find uh, uh, any other place to report it, frankly. And so, um, you know, maybe that, that can start to give people an idea of, of how weird these sightings are. So um, like you said, it's, it's, ostensibly some kind of living creature that that people are are seeing now throughout the course of this investigation uh sort of two different profiles developed um the first and and really you know least exciting to to most people um were what i believe pretty strongly to likely be uh misidentified large birds and and the the, the profile of those sightings was essentially uh, a, a daytime sighting of something, you know, relatively big uh, flying uh, at some distance away from the witness. Uh, at no point were they really close enough to, to see it in any great detail. Uh, they really didn't report much or, or any of the, the trademark fear that was commonly reported in, in the, the alternate um, profile uh, and, um, and and really just all of the, the circumstantial evidence that you know, I, I had gathered over the last few years pointed to those particular sightings, um, you know, most, most likely being large birds. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got this, this other profile of, of sightings where uh, you've got people seeing something at night 
usually relatively close, close enough to make out some detail. Uh, they'll describe, you know, things like uh, membranous wings or glowing red eyes. They'll they'll say that standing, uh, this creature was, you know, maybe seven, eight, nine feet tall. Um, and those people often will describe something like an uh, uh, almost supernatural terror, frankly. Uh, sometimes they'll say that they felt it before they even knew that the creature was there. Um, and, uh, and, and it's the kind of fear that led to more than one witness later on telling me that they weren't comfortable talking about their experience um, because one, it dredged up these scary memories, but more than that, they were afraid that just in talking about it later on, they might summon whatever this thing was back into their life, you know, as, 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 mm-hmm. as though they had this fear of reprisal, really, you know, where we're talking about it would make it angry. And the next thing you know, it's going to show up again. And they're terrified of that. So, I mean, those are the, 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 the sightings that, you know, I personally find the most interesting, although I was happy to receive all of them or investigate all of them, because I, I, I think that that first, you know, profile um, that describes what are likely uh, misidentified large birds, if we didn't have that, then, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to uh, develop the other profile nearly as, as, as well, because a lot of this is sort of ruling things out until, right. you know, we, we, we have whatever we're left with and, and that's what we really have to uh, try to dig into. And on some level, accept, even if it's, you know, too weird to understand.
Um, so w- most people, if they have heard of Mothman, um, and they're not kind of uh, well versed in cryptozoology or the 14 stuff or the paranormal, uh, their point of reference is the Richard Gere 2002 Mothman Prophecies movie. And one of the things that that film suggests that you make a point of um, kind of distancing yourself from in the book is that uh, the film suggests that the Mothman sometimes acted as a harbinger of doom <laughs> and that in the court, in, in the context of that movie, um, you know, Richard Gere, I, I probably should rewatch it before this interview, but isn't he's like a reporter, <laughs> right? And he goes to Point Pleasant yeah. because of these sightings. And then there, um, he spends the course of the movie kind of investigating the sightings, trying to figure out what it is. And then at the end, there's a bridge collapse. This is all based on a true story. And uh, a lot of people die in the bridge collapse, and it was very, you know, a tragic, horrific event. And the film suggests that the Mothman appearing was kind of a, um, was there was a connection between the two. And isn't there, uh, another thing I probably should have researched before this, but isn't there some kind of connection between the Mothman and Chernobyl, or am I making that up? Well, somebody's making it up, um, but it's it's, it's <laughs> not you. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I, I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, uh, creating a false, uh, even more false narrative. So, but that's something that, in terms of these Chicago sightings, I know when they first started, those of us that that were familiar with the Mothman movie and you know just kind of the 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 tales, mm-hmm. we were kind of wondering like oh, is the well, now what's going to happen you know what right. i mean is is there going to be an earthquake or is there going to be you know who knows what and um you kind of in the book you say that you don't necessarily feel that that connection is legitimate anymore i i don't think it it ever was frankly um and the that that movie just in case people don't know it's actually based on a book by a uh, journalist and ufologist john keel uh who who covered the um, I guess, original, you know, uh, Mothman flap in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, back in 1966 to 1967. That particular uh, incident or, or series of, of sightings, rather, uh, ended um, in the, you know, tragic collapse of the uh, Silver Bridge, which spanned the um, Ohio River between uh, Point Pleasant and uh, Gallipolis, uh, Ohio. And so, I mean, it was a really tragic event. 
And um, even at the time, uh, John Keel had written about, um, you know, sort of that idea of, of Mothman as the, the, the uh, harbinger of, of, of doom or, or, you know, portent of disaster. And um, I mean, it's, I, it's very sensationalistic. Um, I, I get why it's an attractive narrative to people, um, but there's really nothing to link those events um, other than, than sheer coincidence, frankly. Um, something that I think is, is probably very likely at play here um, is that there's really nothing people love more than a, a, a neat tidy narrative you know like they want their stories to have a beginning a middle and an end and they want them to make sense Mm -hmm. but the problem is real life doesn't work that way and the mothman doesn't make sense um and so you know even at that time you know uh john keel had been receiving like sort of i i I think they they show this in the 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 uh movie even where uh richard Gere's character i don't remember like they don't call him john keel i don't remember what his name is in the the actual movie, mm-hmm. but he's receiving uh, these these sort of bizarre, like esoteric messages, and so Keel had actually been receiving some stuff like that, you know, while he investigated the uh, uh, Mothman. And at the time, he thought that there was going to be some kind of disaster. He actually thought it was going to be this widespread blackout uh, along the East Coast. And so when the Silver Bridge collapsed, he wasn't even in Point Pleasant. He was back in his uh, apartment in uh new york and um and after it happened i think with the benefit of hindsight is where he started putting things together and then developed this narrative of of you know the mothman somehow leading up to the the collapse of the the silver bridge but there's absolutely no causal connection and okay you know even for instance it would be a pretty poor portent of disaster that people kept seeing even after this disaster happened. I mean, people were still reporting sightings of this thing after the, the silver bridge collapsed. I mean, it, it, it never really ended. The oldest sighting I have um, is from 1969 in uh, Indiana. And, you know, it's maybe a few hundred miles away from, from point pleasant. So, you know, not so far as the Mothman flies and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's less than, than two years later. Um, so there's, there's, right. there's just no connection that I can see other than, you know, the, the human need really for a, 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 a neat, tidy narrative. I mean, what that harbinger of disaster does is it contextualizes this. Like it, 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 it gives some meaning to these events. It, it makes the Mothman make sense. So all of a sudden, instead of just being this seemingly random, terrifying creature flying around for no reason, or, you know, seemingly the only reason being to, to frighten people, um, you've got this thing that exists with a purpose. You know, it's supposed to be there to warn people about this bridge collapse. And then um, on the other side of that, suddenly, instead of living in this cold, uncaring universe that kills dozens of people just before Christmas, seemingly at random, um, you've got this, this, this narrative where, well, okay, maybe there's some meaning behind this. Like maybe this weren't just dozens of people dying randomly in a cold, uncaring universe. Maybe there's some, some force, some magical force behind this 
and 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 be if not comfort you know maybe this this at least applies some meaning to it so yeah yeah I don't know. you know i usually have a co-host with me and uh janine and she's not here right now for obvious reasons mm-hmm. um but she gave me a list of questions and two of them that i think kind of are tied into what we're talking about right now uh has anyone ever attempted to contact the has there ever been like a um I know you talk about feelings of dread or anxiety sure. uh, when when they're in the presence, but has there ever been um, like an a, a information exchange or a dialogue or anything? Or I, I've never heard of one, frankly. Yeah. Um, as as far as I know, uh, you know, nobody's really attempted to speak to it. Um, certainly, like no one with whom I've I've spoken um, or or any reports I've I've seen. Um, Probably the closest would be a report that came out of uh, Oz Park, um, where the woman who had the sighting described this being as being able to sort of peer into her soul, like see right through her. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. that, that wasn't really communication per se, but um, it, 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 at least to me, it sort of implied the potential for, for something like that. Gotcha. And when, um, I, I read your book and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but the descriptions are, and maybe this is something that you, you kind of already answered a minute ago, but the descriptions do tend to be very varied, Mm -hmm. um, and the creature and almost to the point where I know you said some of them, you think that you can, um, explain as giant birds or something like that, or bigger birds. Um, but, do you think that some that there could be more than one cryptid in these sightings, or do you think it could be more than one? Uh, you know, because 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 the physical the physical descriptions do vary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when it comes to eye placement or just head shape and stuff like that, like, do you think there's more than one cryptid here? Uh, you know, I, I I think that that's definitely a possibility. Um, one of the things we have to allow for is uh, sort of the the natural variation in perspective uh that's that's just going to happen between people you know um people are 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 going to estimate sizes differently if they don't uh you know get a a a very good look at something like their mind is going to fill in some of those blanks and so you know as as far as differences you see in like reported height, you know, if it's, or, or wingspan or any stuff like that. I mean, if it's, I mean, honestly, all of those things are are really difficult for people to just kind of eyeball anyway, but um, that's something I always wonder when, when people are looking at something from like across the street up on a rooftop Mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh, it was like five and a half, six feet tall. It's like, how do you, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Like, I don't, I think if someone, if if I was in that position where I saw something and I was asked to describe it later, I would be like, I don't know. It was big or it was little, you know, I, I think that's probably the extent of the, the description that I could give, but some people, you know, when they talk about the wingspan and everything, um, I'm amazed that they can come up with distances, you know, cause I, I probably could not do that. That's a good point. And, you know, honestly, if you're reading a report and it doesn't have a good frame of reference for how they got to that number, I mean, take it with a big grain of salt because yeah. it's very difficult for people to judge sizes, especially if you're talking about something that's, you know, flying. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. You just can't. It it just is what it is. Like you, it is difficult, if not impossible for people to accurately judge the size of something when it's, you know, flying around. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you, you had some natural variation and, and if, you know, we're talking about things like, you know, height or wingspan and, and it's, it's just a, a matter of, of people sort of disagreeing by, you know, two or three feet, um, especially for, for wingspan or maybe like one or two feet for height. Um, you know, that honestly, most of that I just chalked up to, well, it's really hard to judge the actual size of stuff. Now, when you get into the more specific sorts of details, uh, there was some variation there. You know, some people had sightings of, and this was probably the most common, of something they described as basically being completely black. And they couldn't make out much, um, you know, like in the way of texture or anything, you know, it didn't look like there was a lot of, or, or any hair or feathers or anything like that. Uh, just sort of this all black creature with um, these sort of, mem- you know, membranous wings. And then sometimes they would see like glowing red eyes. Um, but then you would have some people, and this was, I believe in, in Woodstock, uh, the, the early 2019 sightings, um, you had people describing what essentially uh, would be a, you know, a, a, for lack of a better term, a, a Bigfoot with, you know, bat-like wings coming out of its back. And so um, I don't necessarily believe that the, you know, winged hairy humanoid sightings uh, must represent the exact same thing as the, uh, you know, all all black, you know, uh, winged humanoid sightings, um, whatever they are, whatever they, they, they represent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that there's plenty of room to believe that we could be talking about very different things when you look at some of the, 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 the very stark contrasts. I, that's, that's a great, uh, that's a great point to pause on because uh, we'll, we'll pick that up in the next segment. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and get to a song from Chicago's very own roots rocker, Noah Gabriel. All right, cool. Um, so we're going to move into segment two now. I know I said it, we were going to do 15, 20 minute segments, but <laughs> whatever. I mean, it, it'll, we'll do two half hour segments. No big deal. Um, Okay, so for the next segment, I personally just wanted to touch on Thunderbirds. Is that going to throw you for a huge loop? Uh, no, not really, actually. Um, okay, there cool. Are a number of like reported pterosaur sightings that were awesome. Sort of- yes, that okay. That's it's it ties into this, but it's it's always been like a like a I don't know something that I was always really excited about. Um, so let's get into that. And then we can, if we want to do the Bigfoot one, the Bigfoot stuff. I saw you tw- uh, tweeted about that. Is that something you're working on now? Is Bigfoot related stuff? Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I had a, a sighting that was reported to me out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, of all places. Um, and this guy actually <laughs> sent me a, a, a couple of videos that, that he had recorded. And, like, they don't show anything. He recorded them to, to capture this sound. But you hear this, like, just eerie sort of howling um and, uh, and, and it, it repeats throughout these videos and it's, uh, it's weird, you know? Okay. Let's, let's, I don't want to say anything else because we'll sure. save it for the show. So, uh, hang on. 
pause and all right welcome back we are talking with tobias waveland author of the lake michigan mothman high strangeness in the midwest so um we had talked about the fact that there might be several different uh cryptids responsible for the um mothman sightings in chicago and um something that i um as someone that follows this stuff one thing that always really appealed to me was the thunderbird stories so uh every every kind of area has its own indigenous uh cryptids or, or monsters or whatever right new jersey has the jersey devil uh you know some areas are more prone to bigfoot sightings down south they have el chupacabra um you know the mothman obviously in point pleasant and if you look at illinois as a total our kind of um state cryptid before the mothman were thunderbirds and for those of you that don't know thunderbirds are basically kind of like giant dinosaur birds that sometimes get spotted mostly in central illinois um but there was this really famous case that i remember reading about years ago where uh happened in the 70s but a family was outside one afternoon having a barbecue and um the whole family's there and these thunderbirds came down and tried to pick up like one of the kids and fly off with them and the mom um had to get like a broom or something and basically beat these things down. So they dropped the kid and flew off. And as somebody that, um, you know, I do film stuff. I always thought that this was an this was such an awesome cinematic scene for like an opening scene for a movie. If you're going to do a movie about cryptids and Thunderbirds and stuff like that, it would, it would be the great, it would be a great opening scene for a sci-fi channel, original movie. And, um, I just wondered if you could talk about Thunderbirds and their possible relation to the Mothman sayings. Cause you do bring them up in your book. There's a whole entire chapter dedicated to them. So there, there, maybe there's some correlation, maybe it's the same thing, or maybe they're just all inhabitants of the same strange universe. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to say, but I, I really feel like I would have been doing a disservice not to mention these, you know, either uh, enormous bird or or pterosaur sightings because we actually received both um, because they were happening in the exact same area as these, you know, Lake Michigan, uh, uh, Mothman sightings. Um, so describe first describe like the giant birds. Cause those are kind of just like, like you say, like they're big birds, like they have feathers and stuff and beaks and that that's kind of one branch of that. So what, what are those like? Right. So we actually had one of the, uh, investigators, uh, with whom we were working, uh, a guy by the name of Vance Nesbitt. And he had actually photographed, um, this, this huge bird, like he was outside of work one day, uh, and, um, he happened to, to look up and he saw what he described as this like enormous bird. And he, he works in, uh, aeronautics. And so, you know, one of the things that he said was, you know, look, I know it's difficult to judge the size of things when they're, they're in the air, but it's something I kind of do as a, as a, a hobby, you know, and I work in the industry. And so I'm reasonably certain that, you know, I've got a pretty good idea of how big this thing was. And, uh, you know, the way he described it, uh, you know, was basically being like the, the size of a, a, a cow, frankly. And, you know, he said it had this wingspan of at a minimum around eight feet. Um, and it just flew overhead and, and, you know, he was, uh, savvy enough to run inside and, and grab his cell phone and, and snap some pictures of this thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, 
it's one of those things where, you know, we, we, we have some pictures of it. Uh, they definitely look like the silhouette of a bird. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to say what kind, you know, gun to my head. I, I might say like a huge heron. Um, but, you know, of course, the way he described it, um, you know, makes it sound like something that that would have been uh, too large, even for something like a, a, a great blue heron. I mean, their wingspan sort of maxes out at like seven feet, although there are a lot of them in Illinois. So who knows? But right. um, yeah, I mean, beyond that, the only other large bird that we got, and this was one that really convinced me that most, if not all of the, uh, you know, daytime sightings like that profile of sightings were, were, were misidentified birds, uh, came out of the Pilsen neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. so this would have been, I believe spring of 2018, this guy's bicycling to work and, um, you know, he's got a GoPro camera attached to his helmet. I remember and this story from the book. I wondered, did you work, did you see that footage? Standing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. Absolutely. I, I you know I talked yeah. to this guy. He sent me the footage, and I, I I got to check it out. I mean, that's how we got those uh, still images out of it. Were there still images in the book? I'm sorry, yes. my bad. Okay, I, yeah, I remember this story because it was <laughs> it, it was one of the better ones in the book um, because and it does have a definite. Sh- I mean, it's Pilsen, which right. is funny, and I have friends that live there, and he was a bike messenger, which is apropos, and he was GoProing his commute, <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> and he had to run it with a giant bird, so it was awesome, right? Right. But I'm sorry, please oh, continue. No, please I, continue. I, I totally get it, but yeah, you know, so you you know the the, the story, but in case the the listeners don't, yeah, I mean, it, that's literally what happened. He's bike bicycling to work he sees this couple standing on the the street corner and there's a gentleman and a lady there and the gentleman's pointing at something in the sky and she's looking at it and so you know he's naturally curious he looks up and he sees what he actually initially described to me over the phone as uh either a giant bat or a person in a wingsuit like that's what he thought it looked like in the moment and so he decides he's going to follow it around and get as much footage um, you know, as he can on his bicycle helmet, God bless him. And he does, <laughs> you know, and, and he, uh, is very forthcoming with, with this footage. I mean, he, he, he honestly believes, uh, that, you know, he has caught something very, very, very strange. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I got to see this footage. He actually sent me the, like the, the SD card that it was on. So, so, so we could get it, you know, uh, like just put it in the mail and send it to us. Yeah. Like that's honestly, that's how cool this guy was. I mean, he's, right. he's a good guy and he was being authentic to his experience when, when he described it, you know, you, you bring up the guy in the wingsuit. That's something that, I mean, some of the pictures that you show in the book and there, there's a lot of photographic evidence in this book. Um, and some of the pictures I can see how someone might make that characterize what they're seeing like that but to me that's even that asks even more questions because why would someone like you how you couldn't do that i feel like no one's if if you were like downtown chicago and you were going off skyscrapers that would be one thing for my limited understanding of how wingsuits work you know (laughs) but i i can't imagine like i mean it really does kind of look like that but that's even even more bigger head scratcher 
why would someone be doing that or how would they actually being able to maneuver with that? I mean, they, they wouldn't be able to some of the, yeah, exactly. that, that's, that's described. I mean, if that was a guy in a wingsuit, we like, we would have been fishing people out of the Chicago river since 2017, <laughs> at least, right? you know, right. Um, so, uh, that's, that's all, that's really, really, really unlikely. Um, you know, actually I, I did, uh, uh, film something for, uh, discover, um, the, uh, discover channel. I had a, new series called uh, Expedition X. And so it's like a spinoff of, of Expedition Unknown. And I, I went down there because they wanted to cover, you know, some of the the Lake Michigan Mothman stuff that had happened in Chicago. And uh, one of the things that they spent some time on was that that wingsuit hypothesis for some of these mm-hmm. sightings. And um, it, I mean, it was pretty thoroughly debunked by them. Um, right. Because I didn't know a lot about it either, but you know, I, I, I kind of knew enough where, you know, I, you know, I, I could just kind of run the simulation in my head, I guess, and be like, oh man, no, that person would be dead. You, that's, you couldn't possibly do that. And, you know, they had some experts on, which was great. And, and it was confirmed. I mean, there's, you'd have to be insane. And so <laughs> that, that was something that, you know, I had sort of personally ruled out pretty early. There was that. And there was another, relatively popular hypothesis again very early on uh that was drones you know people were like well what if it's a halloween costume on a drone um you know uh again i if if it was a drone i i I think we would know by now because the maneuvers people describe um it would be too tough you know like you're not going to be able to have your 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 drone kind of skim the river and then go under a bridge and and pop back up, you know, within a relatively short distance of people, um, and then just kind of, you know, get away. Um, well, I think it, that kind of stuff, it goes back to the crop circles. Like, you know, I don't know the fact that there could be people out there spending an enormous amount of time and energy just to screw with random people. Like I, I kind of believe that that's in human nature to do something like that, but I also feel that at some point they'd want the credit for it. You right. know what I mean? Like oh, sure. they'd want to come out. Like if that was a drone that was doing that, where's the POV drone footage? Cause of people like losing their shit when they see this thing, you know what I mean? Right. Like I, I, the fact that someone would like orchestrate all these hoaxes with a drone just to kind of get a laugh like i don't know because it's not hitting it's not like it's making channel 10 news like the 10 o'clock news or something you know what i mean it's like i I don't know i don't know if i could kind of i don't know yeah no i I completely agree i mean that's that's literally i've i've made the the same argument um because yeah I, i i don't think that there's any chance uh that we've seen a lot of hoaxing, especially that kind, because you're absolutely right. Like those people want attention. Uh, they would be showing off by now and, and you right. would know. So, right. Um, going back to the Thunderbirds though, the, the, we talked about the giant wigged burns, but you also brought up the, what's the word that you used? Pterosaur. Ter- yeah. Okay. Or, so or let, let's talk about that for a second. That's so. That's that's giant bird sightings where they where they're more like dinosaurs, like pterodactyls, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, I I don't think pterosaurs are, are technically dinosaurs, but that's the general idea. Yeah, like the um, well, sort of the the scientific model for pterosaurs is constantly evolving to where you know 
decades ago, uh, if you were picturing like a, a, a pterodactyl or something, right, uh, you know, you would picture this sort of flying lizard, you know, mm-hmm. with these huge sort of like membranous wings. And and now there's a lot of back and forth, you know, with with paleontologists uh, who think that, you know, a lot of these pterosaurs might have had like feathers. And and so you start to get into this weird um, uh, uh contradiction basically where you've got people who are reporting the more anachronistic description of pterosaurs although i mean it's 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 not as though i guess and i i want to be very very clear i'm not a paleontologist Uh, i'm not Mm -hmm. an expert on pterosaurs uh this is you know based off of what i have garnered from people who are experts um, so, you know, don't necessarily take my word for it, but, uh, you know, sort of what, what I've gathered is, you know, the, 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 um, the, the jury is still kind of out as far as what they would actually look like, but it seems relatively clear at this point that a lot of what people are describing isn't consistent with the latest scientific opinion on what they would actually look up, you know, what they would actually look like. It's more based off of, you know, what pterodactyls look like in the 1937 King Kong movie. But if we're talking about like Illinois and the history of like unexplained like sightings or whatever, cryptid sightings or, you know, all that stuff, Thunderbirds pretty much they own that right like that goes back to the Indian tribes from like a couple hundred years ago um there's those those cave paintings or the cliff paintings in southern Illinois along the are you familiar with any of that the Piasaw bird sure yep yeah yeah well it's 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 a giant cliff painting uh it's it's just outside of uh Alton so right on the the Mississippi River there Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, honestly, the Piasaw bird, they call it a Piasaw bird, you know, like, well, they, 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 they call it a, a, a bird, but it really looks like kind of a dragon with like, like a humanish sort of lion head. Um, and the story behind it is, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, but basically what it boils down to is this thing, um, would be constantly carrying off the, uh, in, indigenous people there and, you know, eating them back in its cave until mm-hmm. this hero basically, you know, took some of his, his warrior friends and outsmarted it and ended up, ended up killing it. But, um, I'm honest, telling you that would make I, I, an I awesome like. sci-fi channel original movie. I know I'd, I'd watch it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know of any actual sightings of the Piasaw bird itself. I mean, certainly nothing that would match the, the, uh, the cliff painting, you know, mm-hmm. um, now people like to correlate it to things like the Thunderbird, which is usually just described as like an enormous bird. Um, okay. it'll be described kind of like very similar to like most Raptors. So really, if you want to picture what most people are, are talking about when they're talking about a, a, a Thunderbird, you know, you should picture like a giant Eagle or something. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, I, I don't know that the correlation between the Piasaw bird and Thunderbird sightings is really much stronger than that they both have the word bird in their name. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's take another break and we'll get to another song from Chicago's own Noah Gabriel. All right, cool. So we'll come back and we'll just kind of do an outro. Do you have anything um, as far as the the you talked about the Bigfoot sighting in Rhinelander? Mm. Are you familiar with the Hodag? Oh yeah, that's our our, okay. that our most famous hoax in Wisconsin. Okay. Yes. All right. So I I was familiar with that. That's when you said Rhinelander. I had to Google it because I'm like I think that's where it's from, but it, it, I did, and that's where it's from. Um, okay. And then, do you have anything else that you want to plug? Like another? Uh, are you working on a second, another book? You know, I, not anything that I want. Nece- I guess necessarily to tell people about. I mean, I, I, okay. I do have projects that I'm working on. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to to plug as far as like the website and follow us on, follow us on social media and the Patreon Perfect. and all that stuff. So I'm happy just cool. doing that. All right, cool. So you're cool coming back talking about the Bigfoot and the Hodag real quick, and then we'll get into all the plugs, and then we're done. Sounds good. All right, cool. All right, and we're back with Tobias Waveland. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's do that one more time. All right, we're back with Tobias Wayland. And uh, what is uh, what are you working on now? What's been going on recently? Well, I actually uh, most recently received a couple of uh, interesting videos out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and the videos don't really show anything in them visually, but but what they did capture uh, is this set of repeating like eerie howls. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to describe. Um, it's very similar if, if anybody's been watching, you know, Weird News, um, you probably would have seen articles come out, well, Certainly through us, you would have seen articles come out about similar eerie howls in uh, Ohio relatively recently. And then there was one out of uh, uh, Canada a little bit before that. And so a lot of people have speculated, you know, different uh, uh, explanations for them. And can you give your website real quick just so that people at home can can check you guys out? Yeah, definitely. So you want to look for the Singular Fortean Society. Uh, and you can find us at singularfortian.com. Awesome. So, um, the howls in, uh, Rhinelander, Wisconsin. So you, you got footage of that and we're, you're making the connection to a, you think it's a Bigfoot thing or what are we? Well, I mean, not, not by itself. Uh, okay. the, the reason that, um, you know, I, I would connect it to that is, is based off of this, this witness's testimony. And so he actually, I, I, I just talked to him on the phone uh, last weekend. I mean, frankly, if, if we weren't all sort of, you know, social distancing and, and staying at home, I, you know, I'd probably be uh, going up there, frankly, because it's not that far away. And I, I'm hoping it's still an active uh, sighting area by the time, you know, we're, we're good to, to travel again. But um, now in his testimony, he actually talked about seeing uh, this huge humanoid in a nearby state forest, and so he had he had made that connection for me. And and frankly, it's something that we've seen uh, uh, repeating really in in cryptozoology as far as the Bigfoot phenomenon. You know, there, mm-hmm. there have been eerie howls. Uh, associated with with Bigfoot sightings for some time, and so 
um, I, I, I guess sort of that context uh, combined with this this particular witness's experience, um, it hasn't necessarily believed. Uh, it, it hasn't necessarily convinced me, you know, one hundred percent that there is this Bigfoot roaming around Rhinelander. But I, I think that uh, it's enough to intrigue me, uh, and uh, and, and <clears throat> I, I, I want to look more into it. You, you know, I uh, of all the the different um, topics out there, I always had the least amount of interest in Bigfoot because it just seemed kind of like, I don't know. It wasn't sexy. Like I didn't care, <laughs> but uh, I will say this, but between the Bobcat Goldthwait Bigfoot movie, Willow Creek and um, all that missing four one one stuff. I don't, I'm sure you're familiar with both. Right. I, you could not pay me to go anywhere near an area with a Bigfoot sighting. Seriously. No way. That, that, that has totally flipped the script on that whole story of what people think's going on with that. And I want nothing to do with it. It's terrifying. I, Absolutely I terrifying. Well, and honestly, I think because I was in the same boat as you, like I was so bored with sort of the, the mundane undiscovered primate species. Right. Know, Who cares? Like, come on. Yeah. But when you actually dig into these sightings and you start talking to people um, or, you know, look at other researchers who have been uh, uh, looking into this stuff for much longer than, than, than I have um, you see, I mean, Bigfoot sightings are a lot weirder than people think. I mean, the number of witnesses who have, you know, literally reported Bigfoot coming into or out or like going into or coming out of flying saucers. That, that right. number is really high actually. Like there's a yeah. lot of weird stuff associated with with Bigfoot that has been sort of excised from the narrative by people who very much want this to fit neatly into the uh, materialist like scientific paradigm when a lot of these Bigfoot stories are way 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 weirder than 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 that. So. You know, I have my, my son's in the Cub Scouts and we had an overnight at Eagle Cave, which is up in Wisconsin. And um, I had to make because one of the theories is that there's, you know, if you if you look at like the disappearances in the parks and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you overlay it with a cave map, there's some uh, there might be some correlation there. I was like. I don't know if I can spend the night in this cave. And thankfully I didn't because it was so uncomfortable anyway, but it was, that was just another thing that ad, added to my anxiety about spending the night in the cave with a bunch of Cub Scouts was um, the, the terrible track record that the parks have with losing people. Um, yeah. Uh, allegedly because of Bigfoot, you know, Did but, you say that yeah, I would be eagle? Eagle Cave, yeah, it's right. That's why I brought it up because it's right by you. It's it was just it was closer to Minnesota, but um, right outside Madison. Oh, Eagle okay. Cave. Eagle Cave. All right. Interesting. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a it's a big cave, and they let Cub Scouts come in there and spend the night, three hundred at a time, and it was absolutely god awful. I'm not going to get into that right now, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those weird where I'm like, man, I try to avoid like putting myself at risk and going into a bunch of caves in the middle of the woods and like, I don't know. We stayed one night and got out of there. But yeah, that big that Bigfoot stuff is that's taking a turn. That is not. If anyone out there is like was like me and and did not find Bigfoot interesting as of like ten fifteen years ago, man, go out there and see what they're saying nowadays because it'll definitely it's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down before bed. I'll tell you that. 
So cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for taking time to talk to us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, real quick, the website, um, the Twitter, what else do you want to give, give everything you got? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to find out more about the singular 40 and society, you can visit our website at singular 40 You can also find us across every social media platform of which I am aware as a 40 year old man. So Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, <laughs> um, also, you know, if if you're interested enough in what we're doing that you'd like to be a part of it, then uh, check us out on uh, Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash singular 40 Yes, and I cannot recommend this book enough. The Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangeness in the Midwest by Tobias Wayland. Uh, just, it, it's a good read, but also there's a lot of uh, colloquial Chicago stuff. Like I said, the bike messenger from Pilsen. It's... Uh, it's a good read and it's um it's about our hometown so i mean it's chapter 13 the pilsen video i I seriously cannot recommend this enough so please pick it up you can get it on amazon and everywhere else finer books are sold so tobias thank you for your time man i appreciate it yeah thank you
Chicago. You can find this podcast at Radio1Chicago.com, along with interviews, new music, and information about different artists from around Chicagoland.